This is Conversations with Corliss, the podcast that features real and inspiring people who are leading their lives with purpose, passion, and confidence. Through their stories, advice, and expertise, you will be empowered with tools and insights to become the leader you are meant to be. Your host, Corliss, is a Dare to Lead trained, certified success principles coach, best-selling author, and inspirational speaker. As an entrepreneur for more than two decades, she has coached, trained, and mentored thousands to tap into their personal power and realize their potential. Through her company, Corliss Co., she will help you dream again and break through what holds you back from leading the life you want to have. Connect with her today at corliss.ca. Hi, everyone. This is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it. My name is Corliss and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. With my kids more independent and my career not as fulfilling as it once was, I found myself wondering if this was it and what was next for me. I went looking for answers to recreate my life and I found them in having meaningful conversations with inspiring people. That's what we'll do here for you. Whatever you're looking for, I'm glad you're here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. This is episode 059, Discover Your Dreams Within Your Own Heart with Andrea Menard. Walt Disney said, all your dreams can come true if you have the courage to pursue them. This is true and relevant to our conversation today, but what if you aren't sure what that dream is? In this episode, you will be guided to listen to the whispers of your heart to discover your own answers. You will make the connection between your natural talent and your dreams and find freedom in owning your truth to be authentically you. Andrea Menard is an accomplished Métis singer-songwriter, actor, speaker, wellness trainer, retreat host, and the founder of the Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge. As seen in USA Today, Andrea is a top influencer in feminine leadership and was named one of Women Executive Network's Canada's Most Powerful Women Top 100 Award winner in 2020. Andrea trains women to lead like a goddess and helps all people to name, reclaim, and embody the qualities of the Sacred Feminine. She is the author of the Seeds from the Sacred Feminine Wisdom Cards to be launched with Mango Publishing in 2022. One of the stars of the Netflix series Blackstone, Andrea is a five-time Gemini-nominated actress, a 15-time Music Award winner, and was named Actra Nationals Women of the Year for 2021. She has released four award-winning albums, a symphony show, two television programs, and her TEDx talk called Silent No More has reached over 126,000 views. Andrea's performed for royalty, prime ministers, governor generals, residential school survivors, families of the missing and murdered Indigenous women, and even sang the song Peace to the World's NATO Generals. Welcome to the show, Andrea. I know you're such a busy person and you've got a long, long list of accomplishments. So I'm really quite honored and thrilled that you're here today and that you took the time to share with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Corliss. 
Uh, it's exciting to talk about this conversation from someone who is so accomplished. So let's begin with with your story and did it all begin with a dream? Why don't you tell us a little bit about you first? Oh, such a simple question and such a not a simple answer, <laughs> which is life, right? Um, so, Tanshi, right. hello everyone. My name is Andrea Menard. I am a Métis woman from Treaty 1 territory and the homeland of the Métis. I am currently living and working and playing in the unceded traditional territory of the Squamish, the Tsleil-Waututh and the Musqueam people here in Vancouver, British Columbia. And I, I guess by trade, I am an actor, I am a singer, I am a speaker and I'm a writer. But I like to think of myself as a medicine wheel. So I said those four things. So if you think of them as a medicine wheel, I'm an actor, singer, writer, speaker, or messenger. Um, and that makes up parts of who I am. Um, and I've always wanted to tell you the truth. I've always sang. I was uh, singing with my dad and at kitchen parties, doing harmonies. And I was always telling stories and making my younger siblings act in my little shows. <laughs> Um, but I was always a seeking too. I was a seeker of spiritual fulfillment, whatever that meant. So it took me a long time, like many, many years to discover that I had these different parts of me that all were valid because society at large says we have to be one thing. And I just want to, you know, debunk that right now is that we are fluid spiritual beings in these little human bodies and we are here to fulfill what our own spirit wants of us and sometimes that's having children and sometimes that's um traveling and sometimes that's career and sometimes but and then they all morph and change and grow so um i would say that my i wanted to it started with a dream yes i guess i wanted to use my talents which were singing and acting and performing i wanted to use those talents but i didn't know how as a metis girl from the bush really <laughs> i didn't have anyone who did this for a living as role models and when i went to university the most creative thing i could think of was teaching drama because I literally had no idea that a theater, professional theater existed in Canada or professional film industry existed in Canada or professional music industry. Those things were not available to me in my understanding. So when I finally went to university, I, it's like the whole world opened up to me. I went to the University of Saskatchewan, <laughs> Carlos, where you are. And I, um, my whole world opened up to me and I started to discover these world, these professional industries. Um, but everyone in the beginning back then used to ask me, so, well, which one do you like better acting or singing? <laughs> and I never had an answer for anyone. They all wanted to pigeonhole me to say, no, you're obviously a singer or you're obviously an actor. But the truth is, is that until I said, no, I'm both, singing to me was my was my connection to creator was my the grandmother singing through me but my acting was my my endless curiosity about human nature i got to ask those questions so it's like those two were always hand in hand i couldn't choose and it only throughout the years did i discover that one um, I added writing in there when I actually discovered writing that when I was writing what I sang and acted, 
wow, it was 10 times better. And then it was the, the fourth part of the medicine wheel when I discovered that I had a spiritual message or something from my spirit when I wrote and when I acted and when I sang, then it was, then it was me at my best. So, um, if anything, you know, my dream morphed along the way. I, I wanted to be, oh, I guess maybe the important thing is that I wanted to perform for sure. But as soon as I started performing, I actually realized that I didn't want to just perform. I wanted to be of service to my community and to humanity. And once that dream became everything, that's when, um, everything I did after that seemed to make sense. I know long a difficult question for a long good convoluted answer. I hope I got it. <laughs> I think you did. And I think there's many parts to this actually. I mean, our stories are, are long because our lives are long and there's many experiences. And like you said, it kind of ebbs and flows and there's different parts and different realizations and it all just kind of comes together to get us to where we are right now, which is, which is really part of this conversation I think that your dream might not just be instantly revealed to you it might actually just flow as you experience life is that kind of what you've described here yes absolutely but it's kinder because society mm -hmm. says that you either this or that and if you're not that you're a failure and that's just such a false premise so I think it's a kinder way to look at life Mm, I really like that. There isn't just one way and there just isn't, isn't one answer. And I think that's already what I'm picking up on you is that this has been an entire journey and that you've just enjoyed it and allowed it to unfold. Is that what you would recommend to the listener who's maybe sitting here thinking, I don't have a dream? Right. Well, you know, um, the, I was lucky in the fact that I recognized my talents early or other people recognize them early and you know that's not always the case with people because um our talents can be subtle our talents can be the way our mind works the talents could be with our hands you know there's all these things that if we haven't you know this is how or i was taught is that our talents are usually the thing we take for granted <laughs> are the things mm. that we don't actually notice because it comes so easy for us but it's what other people notice about us so if if some people so to me moving into the awareness of your talents seems to be where and if you how do i put this if you have a dream there might be a reason you have a dream in that direction and if you want to follow it backwards to your heart, you might find that your talent lies in that area. Now, it might be a dream that seems far-fetched or it's something that you have no um, um, relationship with, but dreams are usually really personal and there's a reason why we have dreams. So I would ask those who, who who are unsure or who haven't necessarily found their dream or who have who have placed a dream and don't know how to get there i'm i'm saying walk backwards to the center of your heart and to look at your own talents what is it that you came here to contribute to society that no one else can tell you what it is i truly believe that every single human being has a gift for creation and that they are the ones responsible for bringing it to the world and it can be as subtle as a joyful heart you know it can be 
as subtle as or as extreme as I'm going to invent something right uh, for the world for the betterment of humanity but every single human being has something and it lies in the heart it lies in our own little special hidden talents or sometimes not so hidden talents mm, oh this is so exciting to listen to and I think um you know, perhaps when we reach a stage of life where so many things have have um, taken our attention and have distracted us from the little knowings that are inside of us, that perhaps that's where we kind of start to feel like it's lost and we don't even know where to begin. So I love what you're saying about moving into awareness of, of what your talents are. In your experience, would you say that the things that we're passionate about or that we used to be passionate about maybe when we were younger are usually you know, connected to the natural talents that we have? Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, I look back, it wasn't until I looked back over my life and went, I've been doing, I've been performing and teaching and, you know, bossing everyone around <laughs> all my life. And I went, oh, but I didn't recognize that because I, I too went through a period where I watched my dad and I saw him have a dream to be a singer, but he also didn't pursue that because he didn't think he was allowed to. He, so he sang at kitchen parties, but I knew that a part of him was dissatisfied with his just going to work and bringing home the money, right, for the family. So I knew there was some dissatisfied part of him, which is probably why I was lucky to notice early what that looked like is that if you don't follow your heart, it, there's some unhappiness there. So that was a gift my father unwillingly gave me. So I learned from his experience. I realized I was always doing that early. I was always performing and stuff early, but I went through a period just like my father, because I'd witnessed my father not pursuing his dreams that I kind of just tried to make sense of the world as my peers seemed to make sense, you know, of this non-Indigenous community about everyone was going to university to become a this, that, or that. And I didn't have that. No one in, went to university in my family. I didn't understand that trajectory. Um, but I tried to fit in because it seemed that's what you were supposed to do. Um, and I found myself looking at things like physiotherapy and trying to, you know, be all respectable. But, you know, so when I went into a job that had literally zero creative outlet that was the first time i realized that i was creative i had my first existential crisis at 20 <laughs> or 19 or something and i went wow i didn't realize that i was actually being creative for most of my life in school i had an outlet always and now this is the first time I don't have that outfit. Maybe I'm a creative person. <laughs> and it took it being without creativity that made me walk towards it. And that's why I went into university saying, I'll be a teacher who teaches drama. Cause that was the only thing I could think of that was creative. <laughs> I, I didn't have that much experience. So um, when I look back over my life, you know, when I, once I hit university and hit the drama department and, you know, discovered theater and all that stuff. That's when I looked back over my life and went, I've been doing this my entire life. I just didn't know it. So yes, what you do as a youth most or as a young person, what you were called to do is probably a big indicator of who you really are and what you're here to contribute. Mm, I like that a lot. You know, I, I, you've kind of got me thinking about something here a little while ago. 
uh, there was a, a something that happened in a family for a family member, and I was speaking with uh, you know a counselor about it, about how to support this family member, and and um, there had been a crisis, and this the counselor said to me, when there's a crisis, it's not necessarily a bad thing because it shines a light on what needs attention. And what I'm thinking about here is how that connects to what you're sharing about, about connecting to our passions, our our dreams, and that inner knowing about what our talents are that we should pursue and that would light us up and to, would bring joy to our lives and to the lives of other people and, and make a contribution. That perhaps sometimes when we're in a dissatisfied state, when we're doing things that we're just not satisfied, we're not fulfilled, perhaps that's there to guide us. Would you would you say that that has been your experience? Do you, do you feel that that aligns? Oh, 100%. I am a huge proponent of, of healing. And most of the time I, I like, so all everything that I teach, you know, I'm the founder of the Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge. And if anything about my, my medicine wheel of who I am, I found the center point of my medicine wheel. And it's to be a facilitator for the rise of the sacred feminine. So I explained this, I have to give you a little bit of backstory so you can understand mm -hmm. my do. answer to your question. And if I forget, because I'm going backwards, just say, <laughs> um, just say, uh, crisis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good deal. Um, so as the facilitator of the rise of the sacred feminine, to me, that is the main reason why I am here. That is the reason. Yes, I may sing. Yes, I may act. Yes, I may write and speak. But I am a facilitator of the rise of the sacred feminine. And to me, what I have been taught is that the rise of the sacred feminine is a return to the circle. Now, in my understanding and my belief that our systems in place are very colonial, Western, patriarchal models that do not do not allow everyone comfort in this system. Everyone is trying to fit into a system that it wasn't made for everyone. And it's unraveling. It's in the process of unraveling because it needs to. There are so many good things about um, uh, structure and and analysis and logic and all those beautiful sacred masculine uh, parts. But when they are um, running amok without the balancing factor of the sacred feminine, then damage happens, then the imbalance happens on the planet. So if you think of how out of balance we are, it's because those masculine systems have somehow devalued feminine aspects, like vulnerability, like indigenous knowledge, like Mother Earth, like emotional expression, like stillness all these things, right? And so to me, the re return of the circle is a return to feminine values, a return to indigenous values. And because we have all been trained, like, I mean, programmed to fit in and to adopt these values of this masculine patriarchal colonial model, we tend to um, judge ourselves um, especially if we are women, if you're an indigenous woman or indigenous person or a black person or people of color or a two-spirited or trans non-binary person or um, a person with extra abilities or disabilities, if you are uh, 
anything that's outside the norm of these systems, outside all the things that have been left out of those systems, um, chances are you have been trying to fit in. And everyone within the system is trying to fit in. We've been trained to fit in. The system is incredibly um, sophisticated. It's self-perpetuating. It hardly needs us, you know, it hardly needs authorities to keep us in line because we do it ourselves. We've been trained so well. So to me, the rise of the sacred feminine is a rebalancing of this type of driven nature. It may not look like it when you look at the world at large, but individually, every single person is going through their own crisis. Like look at the pandemic, look at the climate crisis. We are at the point where it is time to start going inward and asking some really hard questions. So to me, crisis is beautiful. Crisis is everything to unraveling the programming, the training that keep us bound to some false ideal that does not fit almost most of the planet. Isn't that a huge thought? Is that the programs, what we're trying to fit into, literally billions of us are trying to fit in, but it does not work. So we are in the process of creating a more balanced model that hopefully involves and works for everyone. And that is only going to come when each person, one heart at a time, one crisis at a time, one decision at a time, um, takes... Um, what's that word takes uh, accountability for their place in the system. Where are they sitting? Are they sitting in a privileged place? Are they sitting in a, in a not so privileged place? How are they contributing to this system? How do we want to, how do I disengage from the system? How do I uh, change? How do I empower myself? How do I find new values, new, new goals? So crises tend to do that. And if you think, so to me, the rise of the sacred feminine, if you look at the pandemic itself or the climate crisis, these are also part of the rise of the sacred feminine. They are helping us humanity at large who have been so out of balance they are helping us grow and change so instead of us running from it or fearing it just embrace it 100 here it is crisis bring it on help me find a new way to move forward because anything anything any little bit of change will help the whole it is said you become like the people you spend time with. I think this is true and therefore you should choose carefully. I know in my own life things changed dramatically for the better when I got myself in an environment with people who are inspired and excited about life. If you're looking to change things up and connect with people who will help you become your best, join the Corliss Co. community as a monthly member. It's a great way to stay focused forward. Join us today at corliss.ca. I just love this part of the, the, the words, the four words that keep coming to me are be true to you. And, you know, if you're really true to yourself and the stillness that you're talking about and, you know, paying attention to the dissatisfaction and, and going within, then perhaps you'll be able to tap into that part of you that is going to be able to show up, you know, and return to the circle, like you say. Yeah. Because, you know, most of us, like we said, if we're one of those people that sort of just did what we're, was expected of us, which is totally fine, because that's what we've been trained to do. So if we've just done what we're expected to do, you know, all of a sudden, oh, 
things ch change. Oh, the kids leave the house. Oh, somebody gets fired from their job. All of a sudden those things are falling away. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you have time. You have a crisis that makes you ask questions. Is there something more? Because maybe we can also say in finding our dream is also finding meaning. And the rise of the sacred feminine to me is all about finding meaning, which is all the inward worlds, right? It's the inner worlds because the masculine, you know, doing and driving forward and having outward ambitions, that's great. There's nothing wrong with any of that. That's beautiful. But in order for us to find balance, we need to nurture that inner inner needs too and that's sometimes emotional healing sometimes that's therapy sometimes that's physical body nurturing you know there's a lot to like crises open up a whole bunch of doors that and you know we never know what direction we'll get our inspiration from so listening to all of them is is just the great first step so would you say that you know as women that we have learned to just kind of stifle those, you know, emotional parts of ourselves, the spiritual parts of ourselves, because it's like, that's just not the right way to do it. Has that, I don't know, just give me your thoughts on that. Because I certainly think about my own life. And it's like, I even remember as a teen girl, being, you know, men in my life, you know, joking about, oh, she's, you know, just got that problem. It must be her time of the month. Honestly, like those things conditioned me to be like, okay, well, I can never show my emotional when it had nothing to do with that. It was like, I'm just an emotional being and I feel things differently, but I was taught through different things that were said, you know, throughout my lifetime that I, it's not okay to own that and that I have to be a certain way. Do you, have you had those experiences? Oh, most certainly. That is a, that's a, fabulous example of, of how we're trained because somehow that most powerful ceremony on the earth, when a woman's menstrual cycle, for instance, that's one of the most powerful ceremonies on earth I've been taught by my elders. And that has been taught to be a shameful embarrassment. And that emotional knowledge we have during that time has been devalued. Um, so yes, that's a, that's a big part of programming. There's shame around it. There's there's a, a, a judgment of weakness around it. And if we think, you know, and we're women, imagine, you know, we have been taught that somehow it's weak to be emotional and, and messy and embarrassing and inconvenient. So imagine, you know, imagine the men of our world who, who, who aren't even allowed that much <laughs> to even cry, right? Um, and they're supposed to be not the emotional ones. So when they have it, it's even worse. So for us, we have been trained well. Um, but I have, um, you know, my belief is that emotions are wisdom keepers. They are wisdom keepers. They have much to teach us. And the reason why I, I uh, you know, some of my training is about helping people get in touch with feelings because that is the core of finding our way in this in this change the rise of the sacred feminine is about feeling our consequences because if you think of the leaders of old the reason why well how we have one example right now putin right now someone who cannot feel the consequences of his actions he cannot feel the trauma and the pain 
being caused by his actions. Now, leaders that do not feel are dangerous in the coming um, in the coming era, because we don't want leaders that make choices that harm anymore. That when we cut down an entire forest, that we can't feel the harm, heal the devastation of what the earth feels. We can't feel what that that action does to this entire nation or building that wall does to this entire nation. We need uh, leaders that actually feel because wisdom is brought through our feelings. And women have an access that is better at the moment. And I'm hoping that the training unravels so that our children of the future will be much more accessible both male and female and on non-binary children will feel more and we and they'll make choices we'll make choices that actually are healthy for ourselves for our families for our communities for the earth and for all of humanity at large that to me is how important our feelings are we have been brainwashed to thinking that they're inconvenient and messy and embarrassing they are wisdom keepers and until we learn to learn the language of feelings because right now we're we're all kind of children learning a new language it's like we try to put my my feelings into the english language and that's actually not the language my feelings speak they speak feeling <laughs> they feel they speak expression and until we have safe places for expression and and have permission granted by our own hearts, then we won't gain the wisdom that our bodies and our minds and our spirits are trying to get through to us through our feeling wisdom. Hmm. You have said so much. I feel like we're breaking the cycle. I think that's, that's to me what's happening right now. These conversations help us break that cycle because we've been taught to put our truth aside and disconnect from how we feel. That's that's kind of what I'm what I'm sensing here. And therefore, it's like, well, you have to do it a certain way, or you have to be a certain way, or there's only one path to success. And, and we've just learned to stifle our own creativity and our own hearts in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. But one heart at a time, we're making a difference. You here are making a difference, Corliss, like you are, you know, encouraging women to listen to their hearts and, and, dream bigger which means it might be outside the norm to dream outside the program and that to me is the rise of the sacred feminine <laughs> yes just different languaging for sure i feel i feel like that's just really owning your power i think at this point women just need to step in and own their power own their truth you know be who they authentically are give themselves permission like you said is there any like if you were to say to a listener that is like all of this speaks so loudly to me. I feel this. As a matter of fact, I got, I have to tell you that I got a little emotional even hearing you speak the wisdom of, of your heritage. I can't exactly remember how you said it, but it was something like it's, it's a ceremonial, it's a beautiful thing. And yet I got emotional even thinking about that because that is something that I have a, had a lot of shame in my life that whenever I tried to communicate how I felt that it was blamed on that I'm a woman and that it must be something to do with my, my cycle or something. It was, there was so much shame around it. It really was. So listening to you say that it's actually a beautiful thing almost, um, almost made me emotional. 
Yay. Yay. Let those, look at all those repressed tears, right? Just allow them to come. Uh, as mm -hmm. my elder would say, bring those sacred waters to the circle. You've just blessed our circle. Mm, that's so beautiful. Thank you for that. Now, if you were, so say somebody is listening and they're, they're saying, you know, this, I feel this, this is something that I, this is a path I need to go on. If you were to give them say a couple of places to begin, like what would be say, if we want to call them steps, I don't know, but my analytical brain is always like, okay, this sounds perfect for me. Where do I even begin? What would you, what would you tell somebody to do? Is there practices that they could build into their life? Is there something that you do that was helpful to you right at the beginning? What would you suggest? I would say that mother earth saved my life. <laughs> you know, um, I would go out into nature without any electronics. I would not listen to podcasts. I would not listen to, sorry, even though this is a great podcast, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, go out into nature and be silent and listen and listen. Because when you go out and just hear the sound of the birds or the sound of the wind or the rain or the snow and the crunching of the snow under your feet or wherever you're at, something changes. You slow down, your heartbeat slows down, your mind starts to maybe slow down because you're in a receptive mode. You're not in do mode. You know, sometimes you're walking and you realize you've walked 10 blocks and you don't remember a thing because you've just been so in your mind. There's that. But if you go to nature, a place where that busyness doesn't affect you, the sound of traffic doesn't affect you, and you actually hear silence in the best natural way, you will hear whispers of your own spirit. You will get to know who you are. And you might just go, oh, this, this silence terrifies you. You might find that, but why? Maybe you just have some emotion that needs to come. I used to go and cry. I have these hugging trees <laughs> that I go and I let them <laughs> hug me and I just cry into the trees. And I allowed whatever trauma or whatever hurts that had been unexpressed, I allowed them to come and there might be lots, there might be a whole bunch. Like for me, I cried for weeks and weeks at several parts of my life and several um, times of my life. And, and I consider those the most healing times. And I'm really grateful to my courage for allowing myself to do that. And being a mother earth, being around mother nature was my healer because I started to recognize that the birds came to sing to help me the wind would pummel me when I needed to shout or you know <laughs> um yeah so the nature is a huge huge part of of um healing and a great place to begin. And, and while you think about other thoughts that you want to share on that question, I just have to tell you that yesterday, like I've been seeking some adventure. That's one of the things that um, I think being isolated and throughout the COVID pandemic, that was one of the things that I really started to connect with was just the simple pleasures, the simple things in life, getting out in nature. 
And I've been seeking having more fun. That's one of one of the things that I've just been really like, I'm going to experience more things, you know, even if they're simple, a lot of them were going to be connected to nature. So one of the things that I, I decided that I wanted to do was to go out dog sledding. I've always loved watching the dog sleds at our local winter festival. Ever since I was a kid, I, I've watched that and I just was always fascinated. And I have a puppy that I happen to love. So he's made me a dog lover. And I, I heard about this new company and I thought I'm going to take my son he's 15 and we're going to go and we're going to do the dog sled so we booked that and we went yesterday and it was such an exhilarating adventure it was so incredible but what I noticed was because I'm very much on social media I've got to capture every moment on my phone to make sure that I get you know all the material to share the experience with other people and as I was on the dog sled and I was doing the videos I was like hey that's it no more the rest of this you know seven mile ride you're going to put your phone away and you're going to be in the experience and it was <laughs> so beautiful to the, the a deer came out and the dogs were right on the trail and the dogs were chasing the deer and I was looking around at the trees and I was hearing all the sounds of the dogs. It was just amazing. And it just took me disconnecting to be present to that, to really get the full experience within me. And um, I think that's, you know, kind of what I'm thinking of. Like last summer, I spent a lot of time at the lake. I usually do listen to podcasts or meditations on the beach, but because the water level was so low, I was able to walk like five miles on our on our beach line and a lot of times it was the times that I had nothing playing at all and I was just in nature that I actually got my most inspired ideas that I was re able to reconnect and calm myself. It was really quite beautiful. So those are everything that you just shared there. I've had those experiences myself. So I would want to reiterate that to the listening audience that that's such a simple thing that you can do, but everyone can do it. Absolutely. And it takes courage putting down our phone. <laughs> it sure does, especially when part of what is expected of us is to actually capture that, to be able to share it, because that's part of, you know, communication, marketing, whatever you want to call it for online. And yet it somehow it, it puts us into that box that we've been talking about that maybe we don't fit into all the time and disconnects us from ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything everything about walking our own authentic path takes courage and isn't that an odd concept is that walking our authentic path takes courage and that must mean then that the society at large does not have our authentic um, path at 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 heart it doesn't have that as a priority so that means we have to be the ones to prior prioritize our own value our own authenticity and that means if society says this is that always good for me not necessarily so listening to your own heart will always 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 be your answer and mother nature helps you discover what your heart says mm-hmm is there anything else that you wanted to add to that for the, the person who's just, you know, beginning and kind of reconnecting? I think more of what I just said, you know, is that your heart is the answer. Your heart is the place where everything you seek is resting. And your way to that heart knowledge is through your feelings, 
is through silence, is through stillness, is through compassion for yourself. Oh, compassion for self. Please, please, please practice compassion for yourself, especially when a crisis is upon you. You know, like this pandemic and all the different reactions of how exhausting and, and how scared we've been. Be really kind to what you're going through, because what if you're being asked by Mother Earth to cry all those tears or to to feel the fear that has been trapped in humanity's lineages for so long? What if it's what if that's being asked of you? What if that's the gift you can offer our collective healing and you know all of that is is worthy of your compassion and it's worthy of your time and your attention so for all of you who are in crisis and who are are questioning your own sanity i say bravo be compassionate with yourself you're just one of a billion <laughs> billions of us going through it and i think this is our way to collectively heal so you're not alone Mm, amazing. Oh, I've loved this conversation. I have three closing questions that I always ask all of my guests, and I'm going to do them rapid fire here right away. But before I do that, um, if somebody wants to connect with you, how do they do so? Well, um, they can go to my website at andreamenard.com or my uh, business website, which is sacredfemininelearninglodge.com, sacredfemininelearninglodge.com. Um, and they can find me on LinkedIn or all social socials. Well, most socials. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. They're always growing, aren't they? And we won't timestamp this because there could be a whole bunch more social media platforms coming up. So thank you so much. So my first closing question is, what does leadership mean to you? Following your own heart authentically. Awesome. Beautiful. And if there was one book that was really, truly a game changer for you, like I'm sure you've read many and you've studied a lot, but if there was one specific to maybe the topic that we're speaking about today that was a real game changer for you that really influenced you in your life, which book would it be? Oh my gosh. I'm a voracious reader. Oh, uh, um, Oh dear. Um, you know, it might be, it might've been Jamie Sams. He was an indigenous writer from the States, the 13 original clan mothers. That was a real game changer because before I had any language for the rise of the sacred feminine or to understanding, you know, feminine, uh, teachings that were different from masculine teachings, because this was a way that honored both. That was a, that was one of the books that probably, helped me on my path without really knowing it. You know, that was many, mm -hmm. many, 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 many years ago now that I read it, maybe 30 years ago, 35 years ago, 32 years ago. So yeah, that's a good one. Okay, I like it. I haven't heard of it. So that's really good. And I'll put that in the show notes, of course. So the final closing question is based on all of the highs and all of the lows and everything that you've experienced in your life. If you could leave behind just one piece of advice, what would you want to leave? <clears throat> that the journey is everything. The destinations are wonderful, but the journey is the beauty of life. And, and if we forget to recognize the beauty of now, of the beauty of our accomplishments, of the beauty of 
of each moment each day, then we're missing the journey. And that's the whole point. Mm. I have loved sharing this space with you. Thank you for this conversation and for contributing to everyone today. Uh, make sure and um, connect with Andrea, follow along, uh, connect to your sacred feminine power. And uh, thank you again for listening and for being here today, Andrea. Thank you so much. Really nice talking to you. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.